Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everybody? Yes, I am back with another edition, another episode of the Believe in Rugby podcast show on the Believe Podcast Network, which is the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? This podcast is available on all of your favorite directories, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com, at Believe in Rugby on Instagram, and at Believe Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter. So coming on to the podcast, guys, this week is a former player for the U.S. Men's National Team, as well as for the New York Athletic Club in Brian Doyle. Um, So Brian made 15 appearances for the U.S. in his career, he started two matches and scored his uh, lone try against Russia in 2012. He's also won two Super League rugby titles with the New York Athletic Club in 2008 and 2010. On the podcast, I get him to talk about the obstacles that he had to overcome during the beginning of his career, including a season-ending knee injury. And getting hurt was an experience that Brian used to ultimately spearhead his entrepreneurial career once he retired, and that's something that we're definitely going to get into on this latest edition of the Believe in Rugby podcast. Uh, I'm glad that, you know, I'm, I'm having you on, and we do have a sort of common denominator in the rugby world in Bruce McLean. So, I mean, I'm sure that's something that we're going to talk about, something that's going to come up in conversation. Well, I want to start off right off the bat. Um, I want to ask you, what is your most embarrassing rugby story? Ah, most embarrassing rugby story. Um, There's so many to choose from, really. Um, Oh, good. Do I I talk about when I was in college and I just – didn't know how to tackle uh and it took me years to understand that you actually have to hit somebody or uh no i guess um probably more more a little bit pointed uh i had been playing with the new york ac for a relatively brief amount of time about two seasons and then kind of got a quick opportunity uh we had success and we won the national championship in 2008 and then a really great uh second row had had gone down for the Eagles and I get a quick opportunity to kind of jump on tour and I was definitely underprepared and uh yeah I mean I I I will never forget the uh, amount of jitters and uh the feeling in my stomach driving from the hotel um to the to the field where we were going to play England A uh and this was in Canada I believe in Ontario probably 2008 yeah i think so anyways i was on the sideline i was like yeah i was i was on the i was on the bench and um kind of doing my best to look cool calm and collected and uh scott johnson who was our who was our coach i heard him come over dave williams headset davey williams is our strength coach responsible for getting the reserves on you know put put doily on the field get him to warm up so uh you know, I jumped up all, all ready to go, did my little warm-up routine and I remember telling myself just, you know, stay calm. And I ran oh, we were getting and we were getting absolutely pumped. I mean, we were 
you know, there's no, there's no light at the end of the tunnel for the Eagles in this particular game and run onto the field and, you know, kind of chicken with a head cut off mentality. I'm pretty sure. And, um, tunnel vision is, is an understatement. I, I suddenly the ball swings my way and, and, you know, I get sort of like into a first receiver position uh, you know, they pass the, the nine gives me a, a beautiful, just easy ball to just take and do something with. So I, of course, knock it on. Um, Jordan Grant picks it up. Yeah. Oh, the, oh, the England eight, oh. opposite eight. Uh, I get smoked in the process, you know, I'm on the ground and I see them running like 80 the other way for a try. So that was my, that was my introduction to international rugby. And I, and I actually heard the announcer say, I don't know if this is in the film the next day or if it was actually over the loudspeaker, but you know, Brian Doyle, welcome, uh, welcome to international rugby. So that was my, there we go. That was my first international rugby experience. I think that I think that that serves the uh, most embarrassing moment I had as a as a rugby player. So, like, how much time was left when you got subbed into that game? Oh, I don't. Know. I mean, it 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 felt like it was like a second for me. I I probably got in and then was running around for I don't know a couple of minutes, two minutes, and then all of a sudden, you know, you find yourself in a position where someone's throwing you the ball. So, it was not a lot of time. You know, I got the, I got my hands on the ball pretty pretty quickly from coming off the bench and, and, you know, coming off the bench isn't, isn't easy. I think it's, it's tougher when it's your first international and you're not really supposed to be there in terms of experience, but it was a, uh, it was actually a really good moment for me because that was more or less the, the least prepared I'd probably been for anything in my life. And I was like, well, if I could, if I could survive that and get through it. And I did. And, you know, like there were, there were some positive moments that came out of that game after that play. And you know, it just stuck with me as, I'll never forget how, how genuinely scared I was on the bus end of the game. And I just, did, I, I thought I might die from, uh, from, from nerves, but, but you don't, you know, so it, it teaches you that, that there's, there's very little that you can't, you can't, you can't deal with. Yeah. And I think we've all been there and rugby is one of those sports where you can't really be, you know, unprepared to go into battle with like the physicality. You can honestly, you know, get really, really hurt, mess yourself up. If you're unprepared, you don't know what you're doing. So I'm sure that really, um, that's something you're obviously not going to, that kind of, you know, spearheaded your career in a way, I, I guess. And uh, so what other challenges did you come across early on in your career? Because you went on to have a pretty good career playing for the USA, playing for the New York Athletic Club. But at the beginning, you know, what, obstacles did you have to overcome to get to where you eventually uh where you were able to get to sure sure so i, I guess I'll, I'll set the table a little bit um so i was a i was a basketball player um from rockland county new york i was um i was a decent basketball player i was never great i was tall you know i was i was probably six six five in high school uh got a you know another inch or two in college so i ended up being about six seven so uh, I, I thought I was going to go on to play basketball in, in college, and I decided to just try rugby at the University of Rhode Island, uh, like many Americans do, you know, just kind of fall into rugby or, or pick it up as, as something to do. Now, actually, the, the recruitment process or the, the pathway is much more um, mature uh, than it was back then. But, you know, so I, I kind of lo- I learned rugby on the fly with a, a bunch of great guys at the University of Rhode Island. And... Um, I think I was introduced to injury 
in my my first my first game. So I tore my MCL on my knee, my very first rugby game. Oh no! Um, and and uh, the MCL is not not a terrible one. No surgery. Well, at least I didn't need surgery, and I was able to recover and get back. You know, and and um, but that that was a very abrupt learning curve for me. That rugby is a uh, you know it it can deal out some 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 difficult injuries. So uh, I, I'd say in general, I. I you know, I, I always struggled with injuries. I, I had a lot of them. Um, and there's the, um, there's the physical toll, I think, that injuries take in your body, um, which requires, you know, sometimes could require surgery or the very least physical therapy and rehab. Uh, and then there's the mental tolls that they take on you. And so, you know, for me, I was a tall, lanky guy. I, I you know, first thing I realized is that I had to get myself as strong as possible, uh, which meant, you know, putting on some more weight. Um, you know, and, and, and being fit enough. So I, I was strong when I was in contact positions. Uh, and, and that was a, a major learning curve that I'd say that I, I, you know, fully engaged with during my, my college playing days was, you know, transitioning out of a basketball body and into more of a rugby durable body. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, and then, and then as I went, as I went to the AC and I, I just, you know, surrounded myself with much better players than I was and much better coaching than I'd ever experienced with Mike Tolkien and Bruce McLean, um, you know, it was obvious that I wanted to excel and, and make it, you know, a, a major part of my life. And um, you, you'd start refining skills, right? You'd, you'd need to up the, um, your, your rugby IQ, where to be on the field, timing, um, skill-specific responsibilities or position-specific skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and those, those all took a lot of, you know, training, discipline, hours. Um, and then injury would happen, right? And they would kind of just mentally – take you out of the game, take you out of the hunt. So that, that was, that was something I've I've dealt with throughout my career and injuries never easy to deal with. I would say I got much better at dealing with injuries the older I got because, you know, there is a systematic process to recovery. And, you know, I I learned that, especially after surgery, you know, and you knew you were going to have an uphill battle before you're, you're back on the field healthy. Mm. Uh, I learned that, you know, sometimes it's just good to, to let it sting. You know, I remember after having a surgery, I would, I would let myself kind of be a little bit bummed. Like it's okay to be pissed off in life when, when things go wrong. And I would give myself a three day sort of, you know, uh, you know, cry for myself window and just be, be all pissed off at the world. But then after that, I said, okay, right. What's, what's the first thing I could do um, to, to get back to playing? And, and, you know, they're really little things, but uh, whether it's taking care of that specific injury or whatever it is, you know, you know, baby steps to getting back on the field. So injury, it's a tough one. It's part of rugby. Uh, I think it builds a lot of character resiliency, which, you know, those are the things you, you see guys that overcome um, difficult situations. You appreciate playing next to them um, that much more. And, and I think that builds a lot of, um, yeah, I, it certainly taught me a lot, both as a rugby player and, and just as a, just as a, you know, as a person right. uh, in this, in this world, I, I, I love rugby for that, but it certainly teaches a tough lesson. Right. Just to backtrack a little bit, you brought up Bruce McLean and a lot of people have um, funny stories about their first interaction or their first phone call with Bruce McLean, um, whether he's recruiting or, you know, whatever the matter is, what was your first interaction or uh, conversation with uh, Bruce McLean? If you remember at all. <laughs> Uh, my first interaction with Bruce McLean, geez. Uh, well, I, I first met Mike and Bruce on the Hill 
in Boulder, Colorado. They were there. I was there for the, you know, collegiate All-Americans or the, right. uh, I think it was on the Northeast team, right? So I met Bruce and Mike. Uh, they just, just said hello. So I don't remember anything standing out in that meeting. Everything seemed above, you know, everything seemed normal. And then, um, and then I, I went through this sort of recruitment process. Who am I going to play for? I want to get a job. Uh, and, and Bruce McLean got heavy on the recruiting phone call. <laughs> he got, he got heavy. And, and I, I learned the, uh, the, the, the straightforward, you know, approach of Bruce McLean and he gave me some, you know, kind of basic info. And then, uh, geez, I guess the first story that sticks out in my mind, I, so, you know, I, I had a, I, I had a, I had a girlfriend coming out of college and I was just getting into this kind of crazy world of rugby, uh, you know, sort of more of the global world of rugby. Bruce already had a plan for me. I didn't know it, but he had a, he knew, he knew what my next couple of years were going to look like living in New York city. Let's put it that way. And my, my, my then, my then college girlfriend came to the first game and uh, I introduced her to Bruce, you know, like, Oh, here, meet my new rugby coach. Great guy. You know, he's really looking out for me. And he, he, he looks at, I think we were in the bar. Yeah, we were having a couple of beers after uh, the game. I see where this is going. <laughs> and and uh, he looks at her, looks at me, and he, he, he just goes, he takes a, takes a big swig out of his, his, his bottle of Bud, and he goes, yeah, this ain't going to work. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, he said, no, this ain't going to last. He, goes, he looks at her, he goes, this ain't going to last. And then he kind of just walks away, and she looks at me just quivering, like just, just ready to just ball. And I was like, oh boy, this is going to be brutal. But you know what? In fairness to Bruce, he was right. That wasn't the one. And uh, that, that relationship quickly ended after that. So thanks, Bruce. That was my first, uh, first good Bruce McLean moment. Man, he's, that, that's, not, that's not shocking at all, to be honest. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. yeah. So at, at what point did you realize that you know, playing professional rugby, making a career out of yourself in the game was going to be a possibility. Um, if at any point, I I don't know if I'd ever say I, I, I definitely made rugby my, my focus. Uh, and I, I remember the moment, um, you know, actually, so Bruce McLean, he, so the one thing, you know, and I'd say this is true for great rugby clubs around the world and, um, you know, professional, non-professional doesn't matter. Great rugby clubs around the world they all make their players and their ability to focus on the game a priority and they find ways to do that you know and people have called it semi-professional or whatever but um you know bruce mcclain he's the type of guy he's, he's glue in a club that that makes it work for every player on the team and what i mean by that is you know he he gave me you know he, he he owns a, a security company in New York city, a great security yeah. company in New York city is security guards throughout the city. He had me, um, being a, you know, security guard manager, you know, he, he allowed me to cruise around the city, checking on security guards, making sure everybody was up to snuff and in the post. And that gave me the ability to have a job that I didn't have to really worry too much about. My focus could be on rugby, you know, so he was paying me a fair salary to live in New York city. For sure. Um, and, and, uh, and, and that was, that was like, okay, rugby's first, right? That's, that's the main goal here. And then Bruce, you know, I played a few games with the AC and he sat me down in his office and he actually said, you know, you, Brian, you, you should really focus on playing for America. You should, you should be a second row for the Eagles. Um, you could play internationally you could play pro overseas. That's what I think you should do. And, and I was very taken aback by that even thought, you know, I was still fresh out of college. I didn't really have a plan. Uh, 
And, um, you know, I, I thought about it and I said, yeah, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to, I'm going to see how far I could take this. And that was just, you know, sometimes you need someone to say, you can do this a little bit of belief in, in yourself. And then, and then, um, you know, you start ticking off some, some milestones and goals and then it feels achievable, you know? So that was a pretty clear moment. My first year playing for the AC. Mm. Okay. I got it. What about like some of your most memorable uh, rugby moments, whether that was for the eight, uh, AC or for the Eagles or is there like uh, one moment that stands out to you yeah I, I, difficult to boil it down to one I mean you know playing for the AC like just living in New York City in my early 20s um, you know we were fortunate enough I mean the team that the teams that I was with we were fortunate enough to win three national national championships together uh, that was back when we had the Super League so really cool schedule traveling all over the country um, and just made, you know, the best of friends, uh, through, through each of those teams. And, um, so that, that there were just, yeah, I mean, honestly, countless special moments in both New York and traveling around the country. Um, you know, uh, then I, I went over to Sydney, Australia and I played for Northern Suburbs. Again, a guy at New York athletic club, Christian Mayo, one of the New York AC greats. He introduced me to his old club at uh, Northern Suburbs. And, uh, you know, I remember thinking, this is amazing. You know, those guys, they were, they were paying me a small wage to play rugby living in Sydney. Um, and I, I felt like rugby was kind of paying my way to get around the world and made a whole new, you know, family of friends out there. And, and that was just, you know, an indescribable experience. I remember being in Sydney thinking, wow, I didn't think I'd, I didn't think I'd get here. And, and then, um, yeah, I mean, playing for the Eagles, uh, tons of amazing memories. Uh, I'd say the best, the best one was probably just playing against Ireland in Houston, Texas. We had 20,000 people in the seats. And, you know, the, the, the USA chants were, were, uh, were, were, were very present throughout, which was, which is a very cool experience. And, yeah. You know, we, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't beat Ireland, but the game felt very much in, uh, in our control at times. And we felt, we felt like we were there and I felt like I was a major part of that team. And, and um, yeah, just, just a great group of guys. And, and we, you know, that, that was a special moment for me. It just, it felt, it, it was probably for me, it was some of the better rugby that I was playing. Um, and it was, yeah, fantastic experience. That That's something that's always been like, I guess a dream of mine to play for your country. Just like, cause I grew up playing soccer and watching the world cup. And, you know, obviously got into rugby and got to know about the U.S. in that sport. But, man, I can't imagine what it feels like to play for your, you know, like you said, hear the fans and play for your country. That just has to be the biggest privilege. It, it is. It is a, a privilege. And I think it's, it's worth, you know, it's worth intensely pursuing. You know, it's one of those, it's, it's a, there's a, there's a small group of people that, that get that privilege. And, and, and once you do it, you know, you, you it, it is a major achievement you, and there's many, there's many levels to it. You know, you, some guys play one game, some guys play a hundred, but um, when, when you're in the Jersey and, and when you're, when you're on tour, it's um, yeah. I, for me, I, I loved every single second of it, you know, playing in America, I'd say has its own challenges. You know, you, you have to really figure out how to make it work for you personally, but, but um, I don't regret any, any second of, you know, the, the thousands and thousands of hours I've put into pursuit of that goal. And um, it's, it's, um, it is, I think you put it well there, Kobe. It's a, it's a, it's a privilege. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it really is. Um, 
And so you also went on to uh, become an entrepreneur, <laughs> which is which is crazy. And you know, after your rugby career and your business, it, it's it pretty much helps people get over. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it it, it helps people get over their their physical struggles um, in a way that you did. And so, talk about a little talk a little bit about what what your company does and what you do uh, for for Axios. Sure, sure, yeah, no. So, um, yeah, the the why of the business, I mean, came directly from I mean the conversation we're having here. Uh, you know, my my kind of struggles with my own body and overcoming injuries. Um, and for me, you know, I had some great physical therapists and surgeons and strength coaches. And, um, you know, Mike Fox being one of one of the one of the great influences in my life around, uh, you know, the body and, and the role that the core plays in both, um, you know, decreasing the risk of injury and improving performance. So for me, you know, I made core training a part of my it, it was an intricate part of of my, you know, the, the way that I kept myself on the field and kept myself getting better and actually. I had a, a knee injury early in my career and, and um, not, not even the one that I mentioned, but, but right before I got shot with the Eagles, I tore my ACL and, and that, you know, it was a tough injury to overcome and, and get over and, and get back to the same way you were before. And I, I really, um, you know, put my all into that recovery, that rehab process made it like that was my job. And, um, you know, this idea of, of, core strength and, and joint stability and, and, and joint mobility, like keeping your body mobile, but strong at the same time, right. really, really rang true. And, and I saw the direct implications I got when I returned to playing, I was a much stronger player. Like, and I, I felt it and I felt it specifically, you know, being a six foot seven second row, you know, doing picking jams. Like if that's something that requires you getting low and, and being able to keep, keep your hips pointed, you know, North and South, North down the field, and, um, you know, I'd felt all the training that I had done in both instability and, and mobility training through the hips and the core um, come, you know, made me a much stronger player. And that realization, you know, gave me an idea for a physical product. And it was basically, you know, a way to, to manipulate um, both instability and, and mobility at the same time. So, yeah, I mean, it's the, the, the physical tool that I, I was able to bring to market um, you know, helps directly with that. And, and you know, the, the, the why is to improve performance and reduce risk of injury um, for anyone. So I, I took my kind of the, the, the hard knocks that I picked up playing rugby and, and, you know, introduction and reintroduction to injury and the recovery process. And I put that into a brand with a piece of hardware that, that allowed people to take some control into their own life. Um, and, and, you know, we, we were able to to launch the brand with some success um, in back in 2017. And we took that success and we rolled it into, um, you know, a, a bit of a, a digital platform, which we're, we're preparing to launch now. So we have some fantastic partnerships where we're taking the tool and we're, we're connecting it with, with hardware sensors and, and um, we're providing immediate feedback and in, in, um, to allow people to understand what core strength is and, be able to feel it in a sort of a, a guided home connected solution. So we're taking a little bit out of Peloton's world with that, you know, home connected fitness play, but, right. but we're thinking about data in a much different way and, and thinking about how to guide users with um, really balance uh, teaching users. If they could, they can control their body. They can control their body when they're in unbalanced circumstances that really teaches people um, a lot about the core and, and controlling the body 
um, it, when it's, you know, at its greatest risk for injury. So, yeah, I mean, that's, it, it's been, it's been a wonderful ride. Um, and I, I owe all of it to rugby um, and the, the lessons that I picked up along the way. Mm. So how can, you know, someone like me, I guess, interact with your, with the product of your business, or is, is that something that's down the line? Well, yeah, right now you can't really, <laughs> unless you want to become one of our product testers. We've been, um, uh, really, we've been, we've been um, in what some would call, I guess, stealth mode. I mean, we've been picking up uh, lots of different validating partners, technology partners, um, platform partners, and, and we've been connecting our solution with different audiences. So we're preparing to launch next year. Um, and I, I, I'm pretty excited about it. I think you're going to see a, a, a pretty big Axios splash when we do when we do launch. Um, so yeah, it's, it's still, it's still a bit of a work in progress, but some people in the rugby community are a little bit aware of what we're doing. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is still kind of under wraps. Mm. And is it something that's, I guess, tailored towards rugby players or athletes or all people? In yeah, great, great, great question. So uh, really wh where we found the, um, that we, we provide the most, um, kind of the greatest impact for the greatest amount of people is, is in a category that we're defining as just active aging. So people that are a little bit older that, that understand the importance of, you know, continuing to stay active as, as they get older, um, you know, healthiest, wealthiest generation of all times happening right now. So I mean, even myself, I'm 36, certainly not old, but you know, every day I'm getting older and I want to continue to be able to do the things I love. So, I mean, I run, I run on the weekends and, and running takes a toll on your body. Uh, we have a, we've done a number of studies with uh, Titleist Performance Institute swing coaches with golfers. Uh, we, we have some, some great testimonials and proof in golf. You know, I mean, golf's a sport where, you know, millions and millions of, of older individuals are playing golf and it's something that they want to do. They want to be passionate about as they get older. Now, one of our, one of our great product testers, former NBA great Shane Battier. Um, he's, he, he picked it up in, in the, the work we were doing in golf, nice. you know, being a retired NBA athlete and he's become a pretty strong advocate and product tester for us right now. Uh, and his, his love for golf. So yeah, we're, we're going to, as, as we launch next year, you'll see we're, we're doing a lot in the golf space because we can just provide a lot of um, immediate impacts for, for golfers to hit the ball further and for them to be able to play pain-free. But um, we have a, a campaign where we're going to be expanding out. Um, you know, we have some exciting things lined up for the Olympics, endurance athletes, swimmers, lots of rotational athletes. We have some exciting campaigns going on in baseball, uh, you know, doing some great work with uh, one of my partners who's the head strength coach for the Mets and the Red, Red Wings. So, um, yeah, we have a, a pretty full, full bore campaign coming out. Um, so, you know, our focus is really on people that are active, athletes especially aging athletes um and they just want to continue to do the things that they love uh, i'm definitely looking forward to this launch and by the way you can tell shane battier i know he doesn't play rugby but he's welcome on the podcast at, you know at any time i'll give him a heads up to that yeah yeah i'll uh, i'll let him know yeah well um thank you brian for for doing this for jumping on uh the show with me i, I we had a great talk i learned a lot and um yeah, I mean, I look forward to staying in touch. And, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on Ax Axios for sure. Thanks, man. And, hey, Kobe, I have a, I have a, a question for you, uh, if you wouldn't mind flipping around the, uh, the role here. So what's, uh, 
what's 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 the podcast all about what's the brand for the podcast what's the direction uh, where do you want to take it so when i started this podcast um my vision was to give people who didn't follow the game of rugby something that um they could grab onto that would teach them a little more about the game but also a platform that um for people who do follow rugby that uh you know, just something for, because at the time it was, it was early in quarantine when I started this. And so I really just wanted to give something that rugby fans could listen to something that my teammates could listen to. Um, because I had on a bunch of my teammates, I had on Bruce McLean, but now I'm, I really want to use it as a way to grow the sport. Um, and to show, you know, people that don't know about the sport, what it's all about. And I, I really feel like, you know, you don't have to be a diehard rugby fan to listen to this. And so it's really just about growing the sport and uh, exposing it uh, just a little more in the country, I guess. That would be very, that would be my. Yep. We could, we could use all the, we could use all the exposure. Uh, we could use all the exposure that, that, that this great sport warrants in the, in the U S you know, so I, I, I commend you for it. And I, I I think you should. Uh, I think you should keep going with it. So I'm. I'm pumped. Anything I could do uh, to help you, please, please let me know. And thanks for having me on. I. I really appreciate it. Awesome, awesome, awesome conversation with Brian. Really cool dude. The fact that he used a traumatic experience that he had in rugby as a startup for his entrepreneurship endeavors. That's really, really inspirational. If you are someone that's enjoying the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate five stars if you believe that it deserves it. And always feel free to reach out to me if you'd like to advertise on the show, if you have any cool ideas, or if you'd like to come on as a guest. Um, I know we can make something happen. And uh, with that being said, yeah, thanks again for tuning in, sticking with another episode of the Believe in Rugby podcast show. And um, I can't wait to continue to bring you guys new content. I know this is only the beginning, and I do have a lot in a lot planned for this podcast. So, that being said, hope that everybody has a great weekend. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube